0: Our Sunday services are at 9 and 11 a.m. and include a full range of children's programs as well as a ministry specifically for children with special needs. Find us on Facebook or visit our website at rockpoint.org for more information.
1: Today, our guest speaker is no guest. Uh, He has been part of our congregation for uh, close to four decades at this point in time. Uh, Rob has served as our youth pastor at one point in time, as our connections pastor. He currently serves as our vice chairman of elders. He's carried a myriad of roles over the years, missions, trips, all sorts of things. Rob is an experience that you will now have, and I am leaving the building. I am leaving the building, and I disavow everything from this point forward. Please welcome the Reverend Dr. The Experience, Rob Marcus.
2: My wife always said I could be a foot model. I don't know. I'm back. You ever see one of those movies? The guy gets beaten, he gets stabbed, he gets shot, he gets set on fire, he gets robbed. Then they take him and they throw him over a cliff. He drops a thousand feet onto the rocks and into the ocean and it's, it's covered with sharks and then the, then the camera goes in on his eyeball and all of a sudden you see the one eye open. You ever see a movie like that? Well I haven't, I don't go to those movies, I don't go to R-rated movies, I'm a Christian. I wait till they come out on Netflix. Come on, people! You know it's been so long. I don't even know how to preach anymore. But well, what? I don't remember you guys being this good. We got a good-looking church, don't we? Good-looking crowd. I bet all the people down at the Roseville Cracker Barrel are wondering where all the regulars are at. Well, you guys, you look good. I don't know if you have a wife like this, but my wife, um, I gotta pretty much drop her off at the door of the store. Raise your hand real quick. Uh, if you're sitting next to somebody with a really bad addiction problem, they're just addicted to shopping at Target. Anybody like that? Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, my wife, she always gets mad because I park far away because no guys like dings and dents in their doors. So I drop her off right at the door if I can. Now, she can walk 25 miles once we get in the store. But <laughs> So anyway, and then when we get in the store... I go around like a lost child because she always shops without me. And then she comes and looks for me, okay? So at Target, they got this huge, humongous greeting card section. And you know, graduation season, I got to stock up. So she comes up and she says, what, what are you looking for? And I said, well, I says I need to get a Get Better Soon card for Jake at church. And she's, you know, like everybody everybody loves Jake. And she says, oh, what's wrong with Jake? And I says, nothing. I just wish he'd get better soon. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, Randy left this out of the uh, announcements today, so I'll just do this extra. Um, in case the rapture happens this week, Mickey Badlamenti, you're taking next week's service, okay? And that, that's if the rapture takes place. We figured you'd be the best to handle it because we'll be out of town. So yeah, that's all good. Uh, uh, yeah. So anyway... I can, get rid, I can get away with those jokes for two reasons, basically. Uh, now, women, um, they joke differently than men. So number two reason I can get away with jokes, because we love our pastors here, and, and I would never say anything, yeah. Especially now that I retired. So, yeah, yeah we love, any, and I would never say anything about Jeff Brown, because that's like shooting Bambi, you know what I mean? Maleness. And then, and then, And then the guy, 50-year-old guy that calls himself free wearing skinny jeans and an earring, I ain't going to touch that. So I ain't going to badmouth our pastors here, but we got what we got, you know. But the second reason I can get away with this is men and women joke differently, okay? Now, men, I can come to work. Or word. I can come into church, and I can see a dumpster fire. I can see an old car in a parking lot leaking oil all over the place, and I can say, hey, Kevin, I thought about you. He'll actually start tearing up and give me, a, I didn't know you loved me that much. That's how guys joke. And I learn, because my giftings have always been mercy giftings, and I've always been really good at discernment. And I learned, maybe I was, 16 years old, and I was going out with this girl. And I went to school, and I know she's really crying in the corner. And so I go up to her, and I says, Honey, I says, are you crying because of that haircut you got? I, I had discernment like that. Well, then she started crying more, so I knew I was right, you know? <laughs> and I really don't know why she was crying, because I'm the one that had to get a new girlfriend, because I, I ain't going with a girl who has a haircut like that. <laughs> but the number one reason I can get away with a joke like that is because of relationship. Relationship means everything. Mickey and I, we've worked on sermons together and messages. We've traveled together. We've ate together. We've we've gotten contests to see who had the best subs in the world, Ventimiglios or bomberitos. We've had all those discussions, you know? And Jake... I've known him since he was a little kid. I remember he'd come into church here with his brothers, Steve and Phil and Joe and Doobie and Docky and Sneezy and Blinky and Larry Moe and Curly. And and so I knew him since they were little kids and he'd come in as a first grader with that little cute beard and, you know. (laughs) It it was just so nice and I knew he had a, a thing for music and I wanted to connect with him and I said, hey, you ever hear a Credence Clearwater revival? And he says, oh, yeah, that's that church, that Pentecostal church in South Carolina. I said, huh, yeah, that's the one. (laughs) Relationship is everything. You gotta know somebody. You gotta dig in deep. If you don't have relationship, to me, you don't have anything. A long, long time ago, in a Galilee far, far away, God became man. Do you know him this morning? Do you know him this morning? All right, now, if you're from the first church of Frig- the Frigidaire, you don't have to do nothing. But if God actually saved you from something, you can say amen or, you know, it's like throwing a, a hungry dog a, a pork chop. It's going to be a long service. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for these folks, Lord. I just pray that hearts would be open today, ready to receive your word. Lord, I pray that you'll give me the words to say. Lord, I just pray somehow people will go out of here blessed and they'll take a piece of this service with them. And we give you all glory, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. <laughs> um, If you're here this morning, and you had a dad, a father, your husband maybe, a guy. You might notice as you get older, because I'm 63 now and I'm noticing this, I'm starting to take um, things my dad used to say and I'm starting to repeat them. Things he used to do, I'm starting to do. And you just pick that up. Dads leave a legacy. They leave a blueprint, a pattern, a culture. And you just sort of pick it up. And, and I, I wrote a few things down that um, I find myself saying now, that I never thought I would say. So if you're here this morning and you're sitting next to a dad, a pawpaw, a grandfather, a husband, or your dad someone, I just want you to raise your hand and say yes, yes, amen. Can you do that? Let's practice. Because you guys, like I say, you guys are really turning into Baptists on me, you know? I mean, I mean there's three kinds of churchgoers. You know, when you worship, there's the hold the TV, there's how bigs the fish, and then there's the ones that's all sold out. So you got to be kind of sold out this morning, okay? This is what I find myself saying. Dads love asking coworkers, hey, you working hard or hardly working? You call that racket music? If you see your neighbor washing the car, you say, you going to do mine next? You go to the store, you see somebody, you know, hey, they let anyone in here. When you're driving by cows, your family's never seen a cow before. She so says, hey, look, cows. <laughs> your, your son gets a minor scrape. You'll say, well, I guess we got to amputate. <laughs> Anytime I go out in a garage, any dad that's any dad at all, you get an electric stud finder, and at one point, you got to point towards yourself. I found it. <laughs> you're in the bathroom for a while. Your dad's got to knock on the door and say, did you fall in? I'm not paying to heat the neighborhood. You going dressed out like that? Where's the rest of your outfit? You let your kid keep change from the the store, 15 cents, and say, hey, don't spend it all in one place. (laughs) If someone told you to jump off a cliff, would you? You go to the cash register, so what's the damages? And every dad, and it's passed on from generation to generation since the beginning of time, every man knows that one magic trick. Hey, pull my finger. You go outside and you forget something. You come back in. Your dad always says, back so soon? You want me to pull this car over? Were you born in the barn? You make a better door than window? You'll thank me when I'm dead? And the scariest thing, the scariest thing a dad, a father, you can ever hear these words is, here, hold the flashlight. (laughs) Dads are, are great, but they can be scary sometimes. I never realized this when I was growing up, but I actually watched my parents grow up. I didn't know it. You know, my dad's say 23, mom's 20, 21 years old. I watched them struggle with bills. I watched them figure out how to raise kids, discipline, where to live. What car to buy. I, I, I watched how they worked and how they came home tired and how they acted and what they were interested in. I was watching all that, and I was actually watching my parents grew up, grow up, and I never, I never realized that. I never realized that. Now, way back in the day, I grew up in a different world than we got today. Uh, I grew up in Andy and Mayberry, and it was just a whole different thing. We didn't have children's church We had Sunday school, and after Sunday school, you would bring your kids in here, and you would listen to somebody like me, and you would be bored to death. It was torture. It was horrible. Now, you people are too young. You don't probably remember. You don't remember your ma digging in her purse, pulling out a pre-ripped half piece of double mint gum, and it had the sweet taste of perfume and purse dirt, and you liked it. We had better music back then. I'm gonna tell you that right now. A worship leader now, they come out here, they look like they just mowed the lawn, and they sing a worship song, and they'll sing the same verse over and over and over, the same phrase. I'm not used to that. We had good hymns, we had good writing when I was a kid. When the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder. And they'd always hold it. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be, now that's some good writing. You get something out of a church service like that. When I'd flirt with the girls when I was in church, getting to second base meant, "Hey, babe, you want to share a heminol?" <laughs> Third base, you stand for second service, and you knew the coach was waving you home when he says, "Hey, there's a potluck." <laughs> Different world. People leave pieces with us and pieces from our childhood. And uh, it's just so great um, to realize that uh, we have a culture here. And I I was, my grandfather was a Southern Baptist preacher and he taught me so many things about prayer and so just so many things. And my dad who is here today, he's going to be 90 years young and uh, he came out to church today. He was a great dad. Everybody said so. We'd walk together in the second grade to school, but nobody knew we were in the same class. (laughs) <laughs> no, if there's any 85-year-old women here that are looking for a date, he likes to flirt. Um, his line is, uh, hey, good-looking, what you got cooking? So if, <laughs> if that gets to you, that's, that's the way to go. But no, he taught me a lot about love, integrity. He grew up poor on a farm, and I always respected people, whether they, had, they were rich or they were poor. He grew up, he got hurt as a child, and, and he had to actually put his bad leg in a wagon and push with his other leg And So I never made fun, or I always was good to try to be good with anybody with a disability. This is all part of who I am now, and that's culture, that legacy I get from my dad. That's the blueprint he left. We have a culture here, uh, uh, something that was left as a church. Some of you people don't remember, but there used to be an old guy over there by the name of Pop Sobeck, Ma Sobeck. They were like 150 years old, but they were the nicest people in the world. And the first time I came to church here, my kid was horrible, 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 horrible. He takes after his mom. Uh, he, was, he was bad. And Pop Sobek turns around and looks at me and says, I just want to say you have the best kids I've ever been to in church. I couldn't believe it. And he'd always, he couldn't pronounce Tom Co, so he'd always call Randy's dad, Pastor Taco, Taco, you know. <laughs> but he was such a nice man. And then there was Pawpaw Charlie that would, he was a greeter, an usher at the door, and he would get down on his knees, and his families would come in, he would greet the children first. It was like the parents, you know, who are they? Because he wanted the kids to feel loved and accepted, and they wanted, he wanted to f- make the kids feel like they were somebody. So I was glad to bring my kids here to church, because I knew the adults would make the kids feel like they were somebody, that they were important, they weren't just kids, that's a culture, that's a legacy that was left. that's important here at Rock Point Community Church. Pastor Leo, Randy 's father, if you don't know, he'd get up here and preach, and the sermon was really going good, the service was going good. And, you know the church was full, and he, he was really feeling good. and you really knew he was really feeling good of two things: he 'd break out the accordion, which Randy always loved. he, he loved accordion or. <laughs> He would just break out in song. (laughs) Alive, alive, alive. Oh, the Holy Ghost will set your feet a dancing. You know, when the battle's over, we shall wear a crown. He'd sing all these songs that no one ever heard of. The musicians never heard of. But he had so much love in his heart for the Lord, he would just belt out. It's like high school musical, you know? And the people could see that in them so they would start singing whether they knew the words or not so we'd all sing and just he loved the Lord so much and you could feel it. That's part of our culture here. That's part of who we are. That's our legacy here at Rock Point Community Church. And though though these people are out of the picture now, that lives on through us. That's still a part of us. We carry it on with us. Maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe your dad isn't here. He's not around anymore. But there's a piece of him you carry. There's a piece that's gonna be sent to another another life, another people that he never even sees. That's the legacy. That's the roots. But here's the thing. That doesn't matter this morning. I guess what really matters this morning is what legacy, what roots Will we pass on? Will we hold the line? As the culture's changing so fast, it's got our heads spinning, will we compromise on the gospel? Do we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Is it what God's word says? Is that what matters? I basically, and I know Randy agrees with me, history's important. History's important. If we don't got no roots, we ain't got no tree. What happened in the past matters. It's what built us. But today, what are we doing today? What's Rock Point going to look like in 30 years? How are your grandchildren going to turn out? How are your kids going to turn out? And I got a deep theological question to ask you. Take this in. Think about it tonight. Think about it later. I don't know where in the Gospels this is found, but it has to be in there somewhere. Is Jesus... The celery on your hot wings plate. <laughs> My wife, when we get the, the chicken wings, which every Christian should eat chicken wings, especially if you're Baptist, you eat chicken. Celery, I, I kind of throw it to the side. Is Jesus an acquaintance? Is he a Facebook friend you can snooze for 30 days when it's convenient? Is he a friend you only call him when you need something? When you come here on a Sunday, is it kind of like you're visiting Jesus, you're like going to the joint, you know? You come in here and saying, so Jesus, what's up? You're still here. Yeah, the place looks good. You having a good time? Are they feeding you all right? Taking care of you? I won't be here next week because we're going up north, but I'll be here in a couple weeks. See you again. Bye, Jesus. Is that, is that the relationship you have with Jesus? Have you came to a place where you mean these words? Think about this. God has the right and my permission to rearrange my life to achieve his purposes. Does he have that right in your life? Is he the Lord of your life? I'll do one more back in my day and then I'll stop. Back in my day, pastors used to say, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. If you're not sold out for Jesus Christ, you're still up for sale. If you're going to Toledo, you don't get off the bus in Flat Rock. We have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ with God. We've got to go all the way. Otherwise, we're just going to be a miserable people, and a lot of Christians are miserable because they don't go all the way. I will, I'd like to talk about three men this morning, the first one uh, being uh, uh, Judas, um, kind of weird. You know, when I think of Judas, it's weird because he walked with Jesus. He heard all the sermons. He saw the miracles. And when I think of a a bad guy, a villain, I think of a guy with a handlebar mustache, black hat, black shirt, black pants, you know, Whipley Snidelash or Boris Batonoff. Anybody remember those people? Where's Moose and Squirrel? Yeah. I think you know we're from our sponsor. You don't know. Okay. Well, anyway, that was big when I was a kid. I remember that. That's how I view Judas. But the scripture doesn't tell me that. It doesn't back me up. Judas kind of blended in. Everybody was kind of shocked. They didn't know who would betray Jesus. When Jesus said, somebody's here is going to betray me, they're saying, not I, is it I? I? Now, there was a couple clues in the scripture. There was that time, you know, you know it mentioned somebody skimming from the person. I mean, Jesus was in charge of the money of the group. But he was skimming a little money. There was that time where Mary broke that, expensive bottle of perfume on Jesus' feet. And Judas was the one that said, hey, man, shouldn't we be selling that to the poor? And wouldn't it be better off spent that way? And then, you know, uh, I think a good friend would say, you know what, Jesus is my boy, he's my buddy, he's my friend, he... no, no, take care of him, bless him. That's what I think a real friend would do. So there was a couple hints, but all the disciples were shocked when, when Judas turned, turn, turned his back Relationship. The problem with Judas is I think he had religion, but he didn't have a relationship with Jesus. He saw the miracles, he heard the sermons, but he didn't have a relationship. So it was easy to turn his back on him. There's a scripture in Hebrews. uh, Let me see here. Hebrews. don't, Don't ever get old, man. You can't see. see here. Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in time of need. Hebrews chapter uh, 4 and 16. You ever read that before? Do you know what that means? Do you know what it means? Let us go boldly before... We can go boldly to Christ Jesus. We don't have to be scared. We don't have to be timid. Do you get it? Dad! I love you, Dad! (laughs) Dad! paramedic <laughs> Dad, I love you, Dad. I love you so much. You're my dad and I love you. And and I got some needs right now. And, and you don't know how it's going and 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 can you help this thing out? I love you. <laughs> oh, you, you got product on your hair, man. <laughs> That's how we go before Jesus. We can go before the throne of God as dear children. We we have How does your toddler come before you? Are they timid? If they have a good relationship, they barge right in no matter where you're at. Moms, how many times have you gone to the bathroom and it seems like the walking dead? You see hands going underneath the bathroom door. (laughs) Kids come in boldly. That's the relationship God wants with you. You can come boldly in. It's not odd when you're approaching him. The scripture says we can come confidently before the throne of God. Confidently, that's the relationship. When I was growing up, we didn't have texts. We didn't have cell phones. If Ma wanted you, what she did is open the front door or the window, say, Rob, get your butt home. That, that was the way we communicated. Now back then, uh, we would leave the house. It wasn't like, we didn't have play dates back then. You didn't play in the yard. When we left the house, we'd go maybe 25, 30 miles away. My would never worry about say if somebody takes you they'll bring you back you know <laughs> or she'd say you know and we had creeper vans back then and my mom would say hold out for the good candy make sure you get a Snickers or something it was <laughs> a different world. But when, when Ma would yell, you knew you better get your your bottom home, right? You would run full blast. I mean, that's just how it was. We knew our mother's voice. And when you're a Christian, you know the voice of God. So when somebody, some preacher's trying to tell you something that's not in the word of God, when you see something in the media, when you see something in the culture, no matter what, you, okay, that's not right. You, immediate, you realize it immediately because you're in relationship with a source. And I hate to say it but we really don't read our Bibles like we should anymore. That's how God talks to us. In a crowd this size, I'm telling you right now, there's at least five people here you think Nicodemus is a patch you put on your arm to quit smoking. (laughs) Let's go on before I get in trouble. (laughs) Any complaints? Randy at rockpoint.org. I ain't on staff here. I'm just, you know. (laughs) Second guy, found over in Mark. I picture him pulling up in a brand new BMW. He gets out, perfect haircut, perfect suit. He's got shoes, Armani suit. He's got the Rolex watch. You know, I mean, he's really looking good. And he's the kind of guy, you love to hate these guys, you know. But he was a nice guy. He had integrity. He, He had it all. And he comes and, he, and he's nice and he shows Jesus' respect. He bows to him, he kneels and he says, what can I do to inherit eternal life? He says, good teacher. He didn't recognize who Jesus was. Jesus said, I'm not good. And So Jesus starts quoting the Ten Commandments and the guy says, yeah, yeah, I've done all those. I've done all those. But then there's a wild, weird scripture. Um, let me see if I can find it here in Mark chapter 10, verse 21. Looking at him, Jesus showed love to him and said to him, one thing you lack, go and sell all you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But he was deeply dismayed by these words, and he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. Now this is weird. If I'm Jesus, this is the guy I want on my team. If I want to spread the gospel, this is my man. This is the guy I want. And then right when they get to the point, you know, Jesus, if he was truly a a God of love, he would have just said, come on and let's work together and let's walk a while and, you know, sin is sin. You know, all the things we say today when we want to sin and get away with it. You know, don't judge me. You know, God is his love so I can sin for 12 years. Jesus should have done something different. But Jesus, no, it said he loved him, so he told him the truth. Folks, we live in a day where we have to love our children enough to start telling them the truth. I worked most of my life with youth and as a youth pastor, and I want to tell you something. Your kid does not need a friend, a buddy, a pal, a BFF. Girlfriends were girlfriends. We're going to shop at Forever 21 together. I'm going to start wearing one of those, you know, Wee Herman suits with no socks. Looks like the floods are coming because I'm cool too. No, your kid doesn't need a buddy, a pal. He needs a mom. He needs a dad. And dads, you got to step up to the plate. I'm going to tell you right, right now. One of the greatest things you can ever do for your children is love their Mother. Ain't no amens in the house. <laughs> this is gonna go a while. The one thing I never want to see in ministry is the icy stare of a children's worker when the pastor goes over. That's too scary. We gotta start telling our kids the truth, man. We gotta love them enough to tell them. The truth. That's what Jesus did. Jesus loved them enough to tell them the truth. He cut to the chase. He didn't want to waste his time. He says, This is you got it all done. You know what right from wrong, but are you with me or not? And it's not like Jesus needed 20 bucks. I mean, he said, give it to the poor. There's an old show that used to be on called uh, Andy Griffith. Anybody remember it? Well, Andy was uh, the sheriff. He didn't wear a gun, he always talked things out. And Barney had a gun, but he kept the bullet in his pocket. And it, I think it was just one episode during the whole show that he ever put the bullet in the gun. The only thing kind of weird about the show is everybody on the show was single. A lot of shows were weird like that back then. Bonanza, you know, the grown man with four grown men lived with him, no wives. But anyway, that's beside the point. (laughs) Everybody married back then slept in separate beds. You always wondered where little Ricky came from. (laughs) Who am I to ask? But anyway, this was, every show back then had a moral to the story. In Bonanza, if you pulled a weapon, you were looked at as a coward, so none of us, you know, when I was in elementary school, this is going to scare some of you, but every boy had a knife in his pocket. But we never dared pull it, because then you were looked at as a coward. You know, we used it for whittling, you know, in case you have to skin a deer, so anyway, this one episode, a hobo comes to town, which was played by Buddy Epson, which was uh, the father from Beverly Hillbillies, if you remember. So um, Buddy Epson adjusts Opie's value system. Opie was the son the young boy. The hobo instructs Andy's son in the fine art of living off the land, like borrowing, actually stealing pies and chickens. He puts off work till tomorrow if there was fishing to be done. And he frees gumballs out of jail by saying a magic word and a pry tool, he kept cleverly out of sight. Andy, a father much wiser than I, finally confronts the hobo, and this is how it went. And he says, "It's about Opie. Is something wrong?" And he says, "Well, there seems to be something wrong with Opie's, Opie's thinking. He's gotten a little twisted on things lately, like being able to tell the difference between right and wrong." Not that that's an easy thing. There's a lot of grown-ups still struggling with that same problem. But it's especially dip- difficult for a youngster because things rub off of them so easy. The hobo says, I see, so you're suggesting I may not be fit company for Opie. And then he says, yeah, that, w- that would seem to be the case. The hobo says, well, Sheriff, maybe I do look things a little different than other people. Is that wrong? I live by my wits. I'm not above bending the law now and then to keep clothes on my back or food in my stomach. I live the kind of life other people would love to live if they only had the courage. Who's to say that that boy would be happier your ways or mine? Why not let him decide? And Andy says, no, I'm afraid it don't work that way. You can't let a young'un decide for himself. He'll grab the first flashy thing with shiny ribbons on it. He goes, whatever's in style at the time. Then when he finds out there's a hook in it, it's too late. Wrong ideas come packaged with so much glitter, it's hard to convince them that other things might be better in the long run. And all a parent can do is say, wait and trust me, and trust and keep temptation away. The hobo says, that means you're inviting me to leave town. And he says, that's right. And the hobo says, well, you're wearing the badge, so I'll leave. That wasn't that difficult, was it? Now your problem solved. And Andy says, well, that's where you're wrong. That boy thinks just about everything you do is perfect. So my problem is just beginning. You've left behind an awful lot of unscrambling to be done here. We live in a world today, we send them to Rome, we're shocked when they come home with Caesar. We as parents got a lot of unscrambling to do. It's not that easy. Because kids will grab the first shiny thing they see, the first thing they're in style. We have to be a people of truth and we can't compromise on the gospel of Jesus Christ. It wasn't always hard raising kids. I remember my daughter, she looked, She took dance class and she took like 12 different dances. I don't even know what all these dances are. Tap, jazz, lyrical. But I bought outfits for all these dances. You know, and... You know, basically, it's hard for a Christian dad because you got to go to that store like Streetwalkers or us to buy the uniforms for these girls when they dance. But the one thing I didn't do... Sorry, my wife and daughter say I, drive, I, I drive, buy my clothes at Clowns or us. So The one thing I didn't do is I didn't let her join company. Toe, I think it's called. Is on Wednesday nights. That's when youth group was. In our house, that was a priority. I can't tell you how... Upset I got the one weekend a year in youth group was our our retreat where we could get kids away from all the distractions and they could zero in on God. And then I'd always get these calls from parents. My my son, my daughter can't come this year because they got banned. Can't come on Sunday because they got travel hockey. Let me tell you something. I told my son I sat him down this, he thought he was a pretty good basketball player. And I says, You're gonna make an NBA arena when you get big. But you're going to be selling hot dogs. You ain't playing. (laughs) Tough, tough, tough. My top priority as a parent was to get my kid into heaven, not Harvard. So the rich young ruler went away sad. There was another guy in the scriptures. Let me tell you this first. I'm running out of time. Sin, you know, when you grab onto it, you hold onto it, and man, it's, you know, me, I'm a big guy, I can hold this water for an awful long time, it doesn't bother me. But after an hour, my arm starts hurting, my wrist starts hurting, it goes numb. If I hold onto it too long, eventually my whole body aches, And it'll bring me right down to my knees. That's how sin is when it it attacks us. And that's why it's so dangerous. And, you you know, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Um, I'll I'll be back to the message in a minute. It's been bothering me all service. Um, I don't know how to tell you this, but all service, I've I've noticed this sin in your life. And it's, it's bothered me. And you really should do something about it. You got nothing to say. Well, anyway, I've noticed this splinter in your eye. And you need to get rid of it, okay? All right, just try to do it by, by the end of the service. No, I, it's still there. Okay. All right, let me get back to my message. When we talk to somebody about sin, we enter into the tunnel of chaos. You talk to your child about sin, you got to do it humbly. You, I, I always tell people, pray a lot first you go to them humbly and you do it with a purpose of building them up not tearing them down we live in a tough time the definition of courage i wrote this down is is knowing it's going to really hurt but doing it anyway the problem is that's the exact definition of stupid so that's why we got to give people directions The goal of the gospel is not to affirm you, celebrate you, and accept you. The goal of the gospel is to rescue you, transform you, and redirect you. We build people up. My wife, I love her with all my heart. Uh, You know, we've been married 40 years. and uh, uh, Thank you. It's been tough, but I've done my best. I'll come home at night, I always say the same thing. Hey, baby, I'm home, and she says, so what? You know, <laughs> <laughs> Once in a while, she leaves for work earlier than me, and I'm laying in bed, and I'm feeling good, and I always wake up when she gets up, but I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with the darkness, I feel good in the darkness, it's nice, and then once in a great while, she'll turn on the light, and I'm like, ah! You know, you ever, do, you ever have that happen to you? It's horrible. And to me, this is how this young rich ruler was. He was used to the darkness. He could see. He could get around. But when you, and, and when he saw the light, when Jesus turned on the light, he couldn't take it. But when you get used to the light, you see things like you never saw it before. You don't stub your toe no more. You're walking confidently. It's a good feeling. The light always helps. Third man, and then we're going to wrap this up. Mark, this guy was about as ugly as a guy as you'll ever see. His hair was all matted. It was dirty. He had these wild, wild eyes. I have a lot of, I have a group of acquaintances or friends that are weirder than most of you. I have three acquaintances that are doing life sentences in prison for murder. And the one I remember, he always had these wild eyes. And this is how I picture this guy. He had wild eyes, he was dirty, uh, it, was, it was vintage dirt. He had uh, scars on his body, open sores, and And parents used to warn their kids because he would run around the tombs at night yelling and screaming. It was just horrible. And they said, whatever you do, don't go up there. The the men in the town would, would chain him up and tie him up and he would break the chains and he would go free and no one knew what to do. So Jesus, after a long journey, he gets on the shore, he gets out of the boat and who's the first guy to meet him was this guy. He runs towards Jesus. And let me tell you something. I'm from the south. I'm a hillbilly. I enjoy fighting. But if a guy comes running at me buck naked, he won. (laughs) You got me. The guy's naked. He's run to Jesus. And Jesus loved him. Jesus saw some value in him that no one else saw. What's your name? Legion. He got the demons. He cast them out of the man. And the man was in his right mind. And then what does it say in scripture up there? Mark chapter 5, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your people. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell all. You know, this guy was a complete bum, horrible. No one liked him. They hate him. They wished he was dead. And Jesus, to him, he saw the very first missionary of the church. The rich young ruler, um, he didn't have the same heart this man did. You know, when you're freed from something, when God actually saved you from something, you're grateful, man. You're grateful, Amen. and you got to tell somebody. If Jesus saved you, if you're here this morning and Jesus actually saved you from something, you got to tell somebody. You got to tell somebody. Years ago, I was in Russia, and. Uh, a lot of people don't know this, but we used to, uh, we, a guy went to the, the minister of education in Russia and said, hey, can we hand out Bibles in the public schools? And you could knock them over with a feather because the guy says, well, if you hand them out, you got to go to all the schools. So we, as a church, we probably took a dozen trips over to Russia with these Book of Life. It was the New Testament, had questions and answers in it, and then showed you a plan of salvation, and we'd give it out to the kids. And at the end of the week, we do a youth rally. So we go to all the schools and do this, and at the end of the week, we do the youth. I'd give an altar call because, you know, it's in my blood. I'm Baptist. So anyway, at the end of the service, this old man comes up, and he wants me to pray with him. Dobry kaktila, slava bogu, slava bogu. And in Russia, that means glory to God. So anyway, I'm there, and I don't know how else to say this, but this region of the country, there was not a stick of deodorant anywhere in the city. There was no toothpaste. There was no aftershave. The guy had one tooth. It looked like a burnt piece of popcorn. So he's coming at me. And you know, in Europe, they do a lot of kissing over there, you know? And I'm a friendly guy, but you know. So anyway, he's, and he was one of those close talkers. So I'm moving back because i got to have my personal space. Well then, the Lord did it to me. My back ran into a piano or something, and I couldn't go. So he right on me, and I thought I thought we were going to have a moment, you know. <laughs> and he started wanting to hug me and the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and he says, "You know what? I sent my son on the cross to die for this man. I love him that much, he better matter to you." <sighs> Tell you the rest of the story. I gave that man a hug like he's never had before. And I gave him a big kiss. I, I thought we were going to have to get married. <laughs> Who do you influence? What are you going to leave a legacy of? What are your kids going to do in the future? I had a guy last year, I had needed a new roof on my house, and, and uh, I said, listen, dude, I've heard that now you get a shingle, you can get like a 30, 35-year warranty, you know? He says, "Rob, how old are you?" I says, "I'm 63." and he says, "What you need is a really good five-year shingle." And' I said, cool. I began to realize as I'm buying these LED lights and stuff, it's the last light bulb I'll ever buy, you know. You know? A lot of the stuff I'm buying now, it's the last one, you know. And I got to think, what legacy am I leaving? What am I leaving? You know, What's this church going to be like after I'm not here, you know? I mean, are we going to compromise the gospel? Are we are we going to change? Are we going to get woke? Back in 1936, this young preacher was getting his sermon together on a Sunday morning, and in the South, they have a lot milder winter than we do. Um, but there was snow on the ground and ice on the car, and he cleaned the car off and he's getting everything ready. And his wife was six months pregnant, and at that time. You know, you didn't know the gender of the baby. Back then, what they did, they did it the right way. All the guys would sit in a room and smoke cigars, none of this coaching stuff. And then they'd take the woman in the back room, hit her in the head with a mallet, and then you had a boy or a girl. That's the way, that's the way it worked back then. So they didn't have all this stuff. Now, now I know they, they, they do things different. We had to have a little chat. You know, my, 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 my dad, my 90-year-old dad, he, this is about three years ago, he came and he says, uh, I'm going to a sex party and I don't know what to bring. And after some careful questions, I said, it's a gender reveal party, Dad, gender. So anyway, I still get a tick. He got the car ready, and then he always wrote his sermons out on six by eight cardstock. And at the top, up at the top, he wrote heaven in big letters across the top. And he would preach. And pastors back then would write how many were saved that day, recommittals, baptism, because in the Baptist church, you don't, you know, afterwards you don't know where the guy's going. You had to get him baptized right away. They they always t- say you you take two Baptists. Uh, uh, fishing with you because if you take one, they're going to drink all your beer. So you know we got you got them baptized and saved all together, and you did that. He had no idea at the time that he would have a baby girl. He had no idea at the time that that would be his only child. He had no idea at the time that she would have five kids. He had no idea at the time in 1981 he would pass away. He had no idea. He had no idea that when he died, his grandson would rifle through his drawer and take those six by eight cardstock sermons. He had no idea that when his daughter would pass away, a time he would never see, that grandson would grab and get that sermon on heaven and he would preach the very sermon his grandfather did 65 years earlier. He had no idea. He had no idea that I would pick up that paper. And I would talk to the people that day from John and say, Jesus is going to p- prepare a place for you. Those people, if you're here today and you don't have your father anymore, you can hug him again. You can talk to him again. You can tell him you love him again. That's the blessed hope. Really, in life, that's all we have, folks. All we have is Jesus. That's it. Who cares about your lawn? Who cares about how much money you have in your bank account? Your kids will care for like six months because that's how long it'll take to spend it. You know it's true. My grandfather left me a legacy, a legacy, a blueprint. He would pray all the time and he'd pray for us kids that Satan would get wouldn't get any of his, his family. Back then, a pastor would say, Satan walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And then he would pray that God would put a hedge around us. And I always felt good as a child knowing that if a giant lion comes in, I got shrubbery. (laughs) I told my wife, when the army comes in like a flood, we got Abervites from Costco. Those boys are three foot tall. He left me a a legacy. What legacy are you going to leave this morning? Trying to get your life right without Jesus is like trying to rearrange the furniture in a burning house. A long, long time ago, in a Galilee far, far away, God became man. What blueprint, dad, mom, will you leave? What legacy? Are we gonna compromise in the gospel? Will you recognize Rock Point Community Church in 30 years? We're going to stand our ground. We're going to stand our ground. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the service today. We give you all glory. And I just pray even as the songs plays that if there's somebody here that doesn't know you as their, their Lord and Savior, that even right now in their own words, they can invite you in their heart. Ask you to forgive them of their sin and truly be the Lord of their life. We thank you for the legacy you leave us. We thank you for our our parents and our grandparents that left pieces in our heart that form our culture and set us straight. They love us enough to set us straight. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.
0: I wanna be that kind of son who listens closely to his parents and makes them proud enough to share it. I hope and pray that they will see that I'm striving hard to be. I wanna be that kind of son. I wanna be that kind of brother. Who asks you how you really are And feels close even when he's far Laughing as we make the best of things Oh, it's clear enough to me I want to be that kind of brother Please show me what I like And everything I need I'm giving all I am And trying hard to be that kind I want to be that kind of man To treat a woman like she should be treated Like Adam in the Garden of Eden like she's the one made just for me Oh, it's clear and plain to see I want to be that kind of man want to be that kind of father Who holds you close in spite of anger Who holds his tongue and learns from failure And giving love's my greatest dream Oh, it's so clear and plain to me I want to be that kind of father. Please show me what I like and everything I need. I'm giving all I am and striving hard to be that kind. I live someday to see All the seeds come into bloom Doing what you taught me to All this time spent following Living like you showed me I want to leave a legacy One that's pure, one that's true Brave and humble, honest too A life that's lived for more than me But being last is hard to be I still want to leave a legacy I want to leave a lasting legacy
1: Just a few comments before we go. Um, The song they just heard played uh, is one that Jake wrote. He began writing it, um, and the inspiration for it was uh, a friend of many of us here who is a member of our congregation named Jeff Johnson. Early in the pandemic, uh, Jeff passed away. I don't know if it was COVID or not, but um, it was a huge loss to us. Jeff was one of those guys who just would do anything for anybody, uh, had an incredible amount of skill, and um, there's certain things that have been done around this church that were physical, painting, or other things like that that Jeff did. So a lot of us were just talking about what that loss was, and that inspired Jake to write that song and and going forward. So that's one thing I want to draw your attention to. The other thing was this. You heard a name mentioned earlier, um, Pop Sobek, And um, Pop and, uh, and his wife, they lived over uh, at, subsidized housing over near 15 Mile and Van Dyke area behind the the theater that's there and so they were an elderly couple as Rob said there was a kid that they met in that complex there and they invited him to church Kevin you were how old? 13? 12? 12 years old I thought so Kevin comes to church Becomes a follower of Christ, and I'm a youth pastor at the time. Kevin was my drummer. Kevin gets married to this incredible woman, Lori, who sat next to him. They have two kids, Jade and Corey. And if you were here last Sunday, you saw Corey playing drums for us in our service. Because one man decided to talk to a kid who accepted the gospel and has passed that down to his kids. So what is your relationship with God and what is your legacy, men? Would you stand with me, please? Father, I thank you for men like Pop Sobek. I thank you for um, the men and women who have gone before us, who chose to follow you in difficult times and have passed that down to us. And I pray, Lord, that we would be no less courageous in the times to come. So, Father, I pray that this message that has been shared today would penetrate our hearts and our minds and that we'd recommit ourselves to the pathway to following Jesus Christ. It's in your name we pray.